Where does the expression overstepping the mark come from and what does it mean? Well, I've no idea where the expression overstepping the mark comes from. It's lost in history. But what it means is rules have been broken and boundaries have been crossed in your business and in your dealings with clients and non-clients alike. Boundaries denote or define what's acceptable and what is unacceptable. This is what I expect from myself. This is what I expect from others. This is what I will not accept from myself. And this is what I will not accept from others. Today, I'm going to define what boundaries are, why you need them, what happens when you don't have them, and how to set boundaries with clients and with yourself. This is episode 76 of the Training Business Podcast. Hey, and welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett Hayes. Hey, welcome to the show. My name is Mark Garrett Hayes, the host of the Training Business Podcast. Now, as you can perhaps hear from my voice, I'm a little bit hoarse this week. And the reason is last week I was in Lisbon in Portugal, in Europe, delivering sales training. And uh, even though the weather was magnificent, I came back with a really nasty uh lung infection, sore throat, in fact. Now, thankfully, I'm talking to you via microphone, so you can't catch this from me. But um, it just shows that sometimes as trainers, we tend to be subject to uh, all kinds of things like, you know, jet lag or or, uh, sometimes travel sickness or something else, like in my case, uh, a cold. But nonetheless, uh, I can assure you that my voice has improved uh, much uh, upon last week in the way it was even two, three days ago when it was literally dreadful. Um, So, if this is your first time here, I can uh, guarantee you I do not normally sound like this. And if this is not your first time here, welcome back to the show. This is the show for freelance trainers, for training business owners, for training consultants just like you and I all around the world. And the goal of this show, this episode, and every episode, it's the same every week, is to help you to start to grow and to scale a profitable training business. There's an episode every single Thursday. And I would encourage you to subscribe to the show on a platform of your choice, including and not restricted to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and Spotify. And of course, the reason that we can subscribe or want you to subscribe to the show is to be notified of upcoming episodes. Okay, so last week I asked you to consider why we as training providers uh, sometimes break up with clients. Our clients are once valued clients Why does this thing actually happen? Why does anyone break up with clients, irrespective of whether they're in the training business or not, irrespective of their business type or industry? Well, I gave you three red flag questions to ask yourself last week. One, am I being treated unprofessionally, disrespectfully? Two, am I being asked to commit resources, for example, do unpaid work? or some kind of effort in return for nothing of equal value. Let's call it that. Number three, am I being expected to put up with unreasonable demands and unacceptable changes to agreed rates, conditions, work volume, work duration, etc., etc.? So, admittedly, these are extreme examples of unacceptable circumstances, but what makes them unacceptable is that boundaries have been crossed. Now, I don't have to tell you that these things I've just listed for you this week and last week are unacceptable. 
being treated unprofessionally or disrespectfully, being asked to do something or give something for no equal or equitable return, and being expected to put up with unreasonable demands, changes, conditions, etc. We know those are unacceptable. But you would be surprised what people put up with, one, when they work for themselves, two, when they're starting out on their journey as a consultant, as a trainer, as a coach, three, when they are inexperienced, four, when they need money, and five, when they don't know any better. So there are five times or five circumstances in which I find people cross boundaries, perhaps unintentionally, perhaps unwittingly, or perhaps uh, they just don't think any better. So one, they're working for themselves. They don't have any boundaries yet. They're starting out, number two. They're inexperienced, number three. They need money and are willing to put up with, you know, a lot of normally or ordinarily unacceptable circumstances. And number five, when they don't know any better. Now, many times I did not know any better. I was short of cash, short of income. I took on work. And I remember looking at a laptop on a Sunday evening and many Sunday evenings asking myself how on earth I'm going to get this finished before 1 a.m. that night or the following morning. And as you can imagine, this caused untold, quite rightfully so, quite rightfully so, untold domestic problems, serious domestic problems. Another time, I took on a role as a manager and remember not having the courage to excuse myself from a meeting, in fact, several meetings over the course of several months, which were a complete waste of my time because I had nothing to add. The meeting did not concern me in any way. I did not stand to gain anything by being there at that meeting. I chose to stay. I chose to give in. I chose to roll over. I chose to be weak. No one made me do this. I stayed because I had not ever thought of why I needed boundaries. Now, I'm being perfectly transparent and honest here, painfully honest, in fact, there have been times when I look back and I cannot believe that I've made the decisions I've made. I cannot believe I did not see those consequences. I cannot believe that I was stupid enough, short-sighted enough to put up with things which cost me in other ways. So many trainers, so many consultants start off with a clear, uh, angelic, uh, kind of a blue sky, um, picture or a vision of what they want to achieve in their training business, the kinds of clients they want to work with, the kinds of work they want to do, and the kinds of conditions under which they want to perform that work. But, you know, in times or over time, things get foggy. Sorry, my voice is a bit funny this week. Uh, Things get foggy. Um, The line of what is acceptable and what is unacceptable becomes blurred. And seven things might happen. One, You might allow clients to move work without consulting you. You know, move it around location, move it between jurisdictions, move it on the calendar. It's happened to me. Number two, you might allow people to cancel work very close to execution date. And the consequence of that, of course, is you can't find someone to replace that work. That's happened to me. I'm sure it's happened to you. Number three, you might allow changes, unwarranted changes, to terms and conditions. For example, you agreed 30 days for payment, and now all of a sudden it becomes 60 days or 90 days without any notice. Number four, you might allow clients to unilaterally change or change agreed rates and remuneration. There could be some kind of changes to daily or weekly remuneration 
or rates, depending on where you are in big cities or away from those cities. If you're overnighting, they might just change those conditions and not tell you. Number five, uh, you might give or you might allow clients to give you unacceptably short notice of requirements. So, hey, can you drop what you're doing right now? In fact, drop your life and deliver training for us next Monday. Oh, and by the way, it's in this country. And, you know, that's unacceptable. That's happened to me as well. And I've sometimes given into that, much to my shame. Number six, you might allow or might give clients the impression they can call you anytime, 24-7. And some clients may take you at your word. And you can imagine the consequences that has domestically. And number seven, you might allow clients to cross those red flag boundaries I mentioned earlier and treat you disrespectfully, disdainfully, in a way that degrades you. And again, I'm putting my hand up here. In the past, I've put up with some serious grief from some people because they're paying me good money. And I look back and now and say, Mark, what were you thinking? If you don't have boundaries, these are some of the things which can happen to you. One, again, you might allow clients to move work without consulting you. Two, you might allow people to cancel work close to execution and the consequences that has for your earnings month on month. Number three, you might allow changes, terms and conditions to change. Number four, you might allow clients to unilaterally change agreed uh, rates and remuneration. Number five, you might allow clients to give you unacceptably short notice of requirements without any means to plan or deal with this announcement on time, which makes you look bad. Number six, you might give clients or allow clients the impression that they can call you anytime 24-7 with the consequence that some do. Number seven, you might allow clients to cross red flag boundaries and treat you in ways in which they shouldn't, but you let it happen. And what does that do? It cements that behavior. It reinforces that behavior. People think they can get away with it and they try it on again and again. The thing is, boundaries are entirely personal. I'm not going to sit here today at my microphone and tell you exactly what boundaries you should have. It's not my job. I'm a training business coach, but I'm not in your training business. You might feel that something I've mentioned is actually something you can live with. I may not agree, but it's up to you. You might say, this is acceptable. This is part and parcel of doing business with these people, with this company. It's how it works, how it is. Okay, it's up to you. If it's acceptable to you, it's acceptable. Your decision. But you have to live with the consequences. So we can describe boundaries as personal lines of professional demarcation. Do you like that? I came up with that today. Boundaries we can describe as personal lines of professional demarcation. I hope that's clear. Personal because they come from you, not from me, from you. Professional, because they are the value or values which govern how you do business. I'll say that one more time. We can describe boundaries as personal lines of professional demarcation. Personal, because they come from you. Professional, because they are values which govern how you do business today, tomorrow, and in the future. So let's now look at why we need boundaries apart from the things I mentioned. So there are, again, this is my list here, three main reasons that you should have boundaries, I should have boundaries, everyone in the training business, coaching, consulting, freelancing should and needs to have boundaries. One, boundaries train others how to treat you. Boundaries train others how to treat you. You are reinforcing what's acceptable and people learn from that and treat you accordingly. 
Number two, boundaries, or rather having boundaries, removes confusion. So setting boundaries trains others how not to treat you and how to treat you. Number two, setting boundaries removes confusion. And number three, setting boundaries is essential for your peace of mind. Setting boundaries is essential for your peace of mind. If you plan to grow and to scale your training business, which of course is one of the goals of the show, helping you to do that, then taking on more people, taking on trainers, virtual assistants or VAs, contractors, etc., well, this boundary statement that you're going to build on the back of today's episode, I know you're going to, I know you're going to, this boundary statement will inform the policies which are going to help you to scale and grow your training business, to create a business culture or a business culture for your training business. There's no point doing this after the fact. This is the time to do it if you plan to grow and scale a team. Think of these, therefore, as policies. This boundary statement helps you to build policies. This is how we behave around here. This is what we value. This is what we do. This is what we don't do. This is what we accept from others. And this is what we will not accept. And you can be certain that your clients have policies in terms of what they do with you. Absolutely. Of course they do. Your client has policies on whom they hire, how much they pay, when they pay you. So should you. If you're part of a team, if you have a team of trainers or consultants, you can use this exercise to create policies which define your brand. The boundaries which make up the policies which define your brand, how you do business with others and how you expect them to trade and treat you. So now let's come to the very practical part of today's episode, which is the exercise I want you to do. You might want to go back and listen to this a few times. And it's how to set boundaries. Very simple, no great number of pieces of equipment here necessary. Take a piece of paper or open up Word or Pages on your Mac Word on your PC or pages on your Mac or your piece of paper and create four sections, okay? Create four sections or four boxes, up to you. And these are going to act as your boundary sections. This will be or the basis for your boundary statement. And the statement then can help to form your policies at a future date if you so require. And you can amend this boundary statement as you see fit. And that's the beauty of it because it's not set in concrete. It's something you want to come back to and amend, modify, update when isn't, whenever it's necessary. So four sections, all right? If you're ready, here they go. One, section one, this is what I expect from myself. I'll go into these individually in a moment. So one, this is what I expect from myself. Two, this is what I expect from others. Three, this is what I will not accept for myself. And four, this is what I will not accept from others. Very simple. Very simple, isn't it? Very simple. One, this is what I expect from myself. Two, this is what I expect from others. Three, this is what I will not accept for myself. And four, this is what I will not accept from others. We're now going to go into them individually. And to make them realistic, I'm going to give you my version of the kinds of things that I would put in each of those sections. Okay, in fact, these are the things I would use in my business. And you can amend these, tweak them, make them your own, and I fully encourage you to do so. Okay, so section one again, this is what I expect from myself. And here are my 
let's call them affirmations or my boundary statements in each of these sections. One, I always respond to emails from clients within 24 hours. I always respond to emails from clients or prospects within 24 hours. Two, I always properly conduct a training needs analysis, a TNA, before I make learning recommendations as part of a proposal. I always properly conduct a TNA or training needs analysis before I make learning recommendations as part of a proposal. Number three, I always request a face-to-face meeting in person or video with the client who's making a decision to fully understand the brief of her or him or his or her team. I always request a face-to-face meeting in person or video with the client, whoever they are, the person making the decision, to fully understand the brief of his team, her team, him or her, as the case may be. That's my section one. Now, section two, this is what I expect from others. These are my demands. These are my policies. These are my boundaries. I always expect to be paid within 30 days or less upon submission of my invoice. Now, if there's incorrect submission, I make a mistake. Okay, I suck that one up. But if I do the correct thing properly and I submit my invoice to the correct email address and I've made no mistakes, I expect to be paid within 30 days or less upon submission of my invoice. That's a boundary for me, not to be crossed. Number two, I always expect a deposit for work of value greater than, fill in the blanks here, up to you, 10,000 or 15,000 or 20,000. I find, and I've found much to my cost in the past, that sometimes I've taken a leap of faith with the wrong client and I have burnt time, set aside time, invested time, preparing, designing, building, scheduling, turn up, done the work, and then all of a sudden it's cancelled or it's delayed, it's postponed, or something else happened. It's even halved in terms of its volume and all the work is up in smoke. So when a particular piece of work comes in at a particular value, I expect a deposit for that work of 50%. If the work in total is of a value greater than, let's say, 10,000 or 15,000 or 20,000, and you can make that number your own. Number three in section two, I always expect a minimum of 14 days notice prior to cancellation of scheduled bookings. If that's not the case, I expect on a sliding scale some kind of remuneration. Now, interestingly, not many companies like this because they feel they should be able to you know, cancel because a cancel a cancellations come in and they've accepted those terms and conditions from other people. They've allowed people to cancel their work and they expect to pass this on to me. No way, Jose. I've stopped doing that. It's in my terms of conditions. In my terms and conditions, I expect a minimum of 14 days notice prior to cancellation of scheduled bookings. Why? Well, to make up the shortfall. 14 days is the minimum amount of time that most people have as training consultants, learners, coaches, learning consultants, freelancers to replace work if it's cancelled. And I think that's pretty much normal these days. And you need to sometimes point this out to people in case they take liberties. Okay, section number three on my boundary statement. This is what I will not accept for myself. I'm going to list them quickly so I'm not uh, delaying you today. I will not allow myself to take on work in an area outside of my domain expertise. I will not allow myself to take on work in an area outside of my domain expertise. Reason one, consequence for me, 
is that I stress more when I'm not sure what the hell I'm talking about. And reason number two, more importantly, my customers get a bad version of me when I'm not delivering the very best I can be. My customers get a bad version of me when I'm not delivering the very best I can be. That's true. So if you're not an expert in an area, don't do it. It's going to come back and bite you on the you-know-where. Number two, in section number three, I will not accept work whereby I am obliged to wait 60 days or 90 days or more for payment because it obviously conflicts with reason number two or statement number two in section two or in fact section one. As I said, I will not uh, accept payment terms of any more than 30 days. Okay, is that true for you? Up to you. I know that dealing with some public sector bodies, uh, unfortunately, and larger companies, huge companies, sometimes at 60 days, 90 days, or in terrible scenarios, 120 days. To my mind, that is completely unacceptable. And again, it's up to you if you want to accept that. I'm not laying down the law for you today. I'm simply giving you examples of my boundary statements. Number three in section three, I will not take on work which requires me to be more than two weeks away from my family. And believe you me, that has been my biggest mistake in the last two years. In fact, biggest mistake in my life. It has domestic consequences. And I know, I painfully know other trainers whom this has happened to as well. It's, it's, it's just disastrous. I will not take on work which requires me to be more or be away more than two weeks away from my family. Sore lessons there, uh, not to be taken lightly. If you're someone who travels and works away, it's obligatory in my mind for a reasons I will not go into to be clear about the amount of time you'll spend away from loved ones. Okay. Again, all of this is amendable, customizable for your specific conditions. You could be married, you could be single, whatever the case may be, it's totally up to you to tweak these, make them your own. Number four, section number four today, this is what I will not accept from others. Okay, this is crucial. This is often where the red flags arise. This is what I will not accept from others. And here are my versions of the kinds of things that go in that section. One, I will not accept any unprofessional email correspondence or verbal discussion, which demeans or disrespects me. I will not accept any unprofessional email correspondence or verbal discussion which demeans or disrespects me. And I've had that people, I mentioned that to you last week, I've had people calling me names, thinking they can make fun of me. And because they're a a CEO, I should put up with that kind of stuff from them. Well, I've stopped doing that, thankfully. Number two, I will not work with people who denigrate my gender, my sexual orientation, etc. You know, Whatever that is for you, you could be gay, you could be straight, whatever it is, male or female or transgender, you will not work with people who denigrate you on the case of what it is you believe or what you do or what you are, etc. Number three, I will not accept work from clients with whose business model or their business mission I have moral reservations. So it could be tobacco, firearms, whatever it is for you. Again, all of this, listening to this today, I expect you to modify these, not take them down. I've simply given you some ideas which you can use as a basis for your boundary statements, which can in time become policies and policies you do not cross. You do not cross those of other companies without consequences. Therefore, you should have your own and mean them. One more time from the top. This is what I expect from myself. This is what I expect from others. This is what I will not accept from myself. And this is what I will not accept from others. Four 
Nice little number four, four ways or four sections to form the basis of your handwritten or typed boundary statement. And this, I have to say, in case it's not obvious, is something you keep to yourself. Everything above I've just mentioned to you is what you keep to yourself. This boundary statement is not intended to be published. Think of it like an internal manifesto. It's for your eyes only or the eyes of your team if this is a team exercise. Now, in terms of what you do publish and share with prospects and clients, in terms of things like payment, rates, and other non-negotiables, these will all form part of what I call your master service agreement or your terms and conditions when agreeing a contract. Alternatively, you can publish some of this stuff, uh, things like your hours of business, the types of programs or areas you um, deliver, or the kinds of things you will not do, on your website so people can find them and refer to them early on in the conversation so there's no confusion. Clients then know where you stand. I'm going to give you three tips, or what I call pro tips now, to help you to really make these work for you, okay? And again, you might want to grab a pen. Number one, pro tip number one, don't be so square or rigid to the extent that clients think that your boundaries are inflexible and impossible to work with. Because if the nature of the work you're doing requires you to travel, requires you to accept particular terms and conditions, then don't set a boundary which states that you do not accept those conditions, you will not travel, etc., If that is the case, just don't take on the work in the first place and don't waste your time and other people's time. Pro tip number two today, use these boundaries, whichever you've come up with, when selecting assignments, when selecting clients, when hiring people, when dealing with people. There's no point in just for the sake of today's episode, writing them out and sticking them in a drawer. This is not therapy. I want you to use this and apply this, apply this in your business. Pro tip number three, take these seriously. If you've taken time, invested time in writing them down, scan them, look over them, read them out loud, and maybe bounce them off someone, talk to them or talk to someone else about these, ask for their version. What do they think? Does this sound credible? Does it sound sustainable? Does it sound realistic? Is it professional? Is it something you can actually apply, adhere to honestly? Because if you can't, it isn't a boundary statement. Now, if you have... If you have agreed to this, then sign this, sign it, date it, and put it where you can see it and remind yourself of those boundary statements regularly, okay? Sign it, date it, and put it where you can see it and remind yourself of these boundary statements regularly. All right, final thoughts today before we wrap up today's episode. By having boundaries, and I made a list here, you will give others the impression of being solid of being professional and self-assured. You will give others the impression of being solid, professional, and self-assured. That's the first reason. Secondly, you will recognize when a line has been crossed or when you're crossing your own line. And often in my case, it's often the second or the latter that happens first. Reason number three, you will be a better negotiator knowing what can be traded or not, what can be compromised upon or not. Reason number four, you will save yourself worry, anguish, and grief. Believe me. And number five today, you will naturally feel stronger and more confident for having boundaries, for having them written down, for knowing what they are, 
and for being able to use them in the basis of your training business. And who doesn't want that? My sincere thanks to you again for tuning in this week. Thanks for all your support. Thanks for your continued suggestions. Forgive me my raspy, um, kind of sore voice. And um, I do not want to miss a single episode of the show any week. So irrespective of what's happening, unless it's absolutely critical or life-threatening, I promise you there will be an episode here for you every week. That's my commitment to you. In return... May I ask you for a rating on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform because this helps us to promote the show and to attract the right guests to help you on your training business journey by listening to the journey and expertise of other people. Most of the episodes I know in the past couple of weeks have been solo episodes and the reason is I think I need to give more of myself to you in 2020. Have guests on the show by all means, but less guests, particularly if, as has been the case, if I'm putting my hand up here, honestly, some of the guests in the last 12 months have not quite right been the guests. People have said to me they have not really added value to the show, but I really, really want to focus on the kinds of content that will help you in your training business. And this is why there has been and will be quite a few solo episodes in the near coming months. But there will, of course, be other episodes where I've got quality guests on the show. What people who will add value to the show, and I mean that and like to uh, emphasize that. We'd love you to check out the podcast, as always, of course, on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher and Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, because there will be a fresh episode of the Training Business Podcast for you next Thursday. We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, so please feel free to check us out and to join the conversation. We'd love to hear from you with your suggestions, with your tips, and of course, any criticisms you may have, because as a professional, I accept those on the chin. So until next Thursday, when I will see you back here, have a great training business week. Bye for now. once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Go to trainingbusiness.com and subscribe right now to be notified of great competitions, upcoming VIP episodes, and amazing special offers to help you succeed in your training business. See you next time.